0: Merry Christmas. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. So thrilled that you are spending this time with us. And we just are, we've had such a great day already and looking forward to what God's going to do in uh, this time here. Uh, I don't know if uh, you have a lot of Christmas Eve traditions. Maybe this is one of them. Maybe attending a gathering like this and coming to something, a service that's like this. Maybe there's like kind of like an annual guilt trip you get put on. But love that you're here. Thrilled that you're here with us to spend this time. Uh, How many of you for Christmas Eve, you let your kids open at least like one? One present? Is there you let you do that in your family? Well, let me, let me tell you: if you don't, and your kids are in the room, you do now because they just now heard that that's an option. Uh, how many of you for Christmas Eve, uh, your tradition is actually going to buy presents? So like you do all your shopping. Okay, if that's you, we're gonna, we'll are gonna try to get you out of here pretty soon here. We'll make this real quick. For, for us and our family, one of the Christmas Eve traditions that we have is uh, there's always some kind of gift, some kind of present uh, that needs assembly, that needs to be put together, like a bike or a piece of furniture or something like that. So really looking forward to see what I have later on tonight to put together. Uh, and in that, uh, Uh, There's also a tradition uh, where I reach a moment in the assembly uh, where it's just not going well uh, because there's something that's missing and it's impossible to put together whatever the thing is. And in very dramatic fashion, I make the declaration that Christmas is ruined uh, because there's no way that we can put this together because there is a piece that's missing. And yes, thank you. You can come over. You can help me tonight. Cause, uh, and then usually what happens is my wife comes in and puts it together and fixes it, and then all is safe. So, but I think uh, that kind of illustrates for some of us maybe how we experience Christmas sometimes or maybe how we're experiencing this year that there's a piece missing, something's missing, and, or maybe better said, like, peace is missing, uh, someone today wished me a merry crisis. And I was like, maybe that's not a slip. Maybe they, they really just are saying merry crisis. Um, here at Redemption Gilbert through this Advent season, like Jeremy was talking about just a moment ago, we've been in this series, this teaching series called Peace on Earth. And we've been working through that. Like, what does that look like when the, the, the peace on earth promise that is made in Luke's gospels? You might be familiar with this passage of scripture. It's pretty famous around Christmas time. Luke chapter two says this, uh, "'That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, "'guarding their flocks of sheep. "'Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, "'and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, "'and they were terrified. "'But the angel reassured them, "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'I bring you good news "'that will bring great joy to all people.'" The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the sent one, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in the manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It's the the promise that the prophet made hundreds of years before those angels showed up on that night. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what we've seen in this season, what we see that the scriptures are teaching us and what we believe and what we celebrate when we come together on a day like this uh, is that there was something about that night. There was something about that moment, something about that baby, uh, that what he would grow up to be and what he would grow up to do, that he would establish peace for you and me with God through his life and through his death and through his resurrection and, and with people around you and ultimately, ultimately he would put the entire world back together. And what we've established and what we have seen in the scriptures is that peace is not just a concept. Peace is not just an ideal, but peace is a person because Jesus is the prince of peace. In fact, Jesus says himself in John chapter 14, he's talking to his disciples, those people that are closest to him, his followers. And he says this, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. And he says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That would be a great gift this season, wouldn't it be? I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. What he's saying there is the peace that I promise you is not like the peace that the world offers you. See, the world tells us that if you want peace in this life, you just need to change your circumstances. Like if you could change your relational circumstances, if you could just kind of get the relationship that you want or that you desire, that is what's gonna bring you peace. Or if you could change your financial circumstances, like if you could improve your finances, that would bring you the peace. Or, Or if you could improve your health, if you could change your kind of physical circumstances, Circumstances, that would be the thing that would bring you peace. But Jesus is saying, no, the peace that I'm offering you is nothing that the world can give you. When we are talking about peace, we're talking about uh, this Hebrew concept of peace. It's the word shalom. And it means a wholeness or a completeness. It's kind of like this picture of something that's being woven together, which is helpful for us. It's It's a good picture for us because in our world, it just seems like so much is being torn apart or so much is... Unraveling, So it's helpful to embrace the reality that there is a shalom, there's a wholeness, there's a weaving together. So this Christmas, briefly, what I want to do in the next few moments is I want to share with you that this gift that Jesus is offering is real it's available. And I want to show you how the scripture tells us that this peace, this shalom, this wholeness is accessed in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. And I want to just start real quick uh, with the ways that I think why we don't have this kind of peace. Why don't we experience this kind of shalom in our world and in our lives today? There's a couple reasons why I think we just don't experience this peace. The first is um, we have constant access to all the anti-shalom that's happening in the world. Meaning anytime sin wrecks something in our world or there's some kind of unraveling or something's being torn apart, you have instant access to see it, to hear about it. There's instant analysis about it. There's instant opinions about whose fault it is. There's pictures, there's footage. You, the, the stories are all documented and you can instantly access all the anti-shalom that's happening in the world. We also have constant access to comparison, meaning there's constant access to people who are doing life better than you. And in this season, I think we kind of feel it maybe a little bit more Acutely, because there's already kind of like this pressure, like, okay, I gotta spend more, I have to do more, I have to, things have to be decorated more, things have to look more, like there just has to be, uh, there has to be more and you're kind of bombarded by what everybody else is doing and you feel this kind of pressure where like, if I have to keep up with that. The experience for my family has to be at least as good as the experience for their family or else who knows what'll happen. Who knows how my kids will grow up if they don't have the all-star Christmas That my neighbors are having. And then we just get, it even overwhelms us and it just wears us out, this constant comparison. So, what do we do? We'll kind of lock ourselves in our bedroom and crawl under the covers. But then we start scrolling. And you start scrolling, and there they are. There's the perfect family with the perfect Christmas photos of their perfect children and matching holiday outfits with the perfect snowy background. And they're like feeding reindeer, you know? And dad just got the best ever Christmas tree, hauling it out of the woods on his shoulder like a boss, straps it to the top of the Escalade that's got the wreath on the grill. And you're there and you're hiding in your room because your house is absolutely bombed and trash and wrecked and there's just so much to do and not enough time. Your kid's like gnawing on the door handle, Ah! You're just constantly compared that was my house last night, so We have constant access to critique. It's an amazing world we live in where anyone, anywhere can critique your choices. You can be instantly evaluated in real time, even by complete strangers. And then lastly, I think uh, just the fact that there's just constant. Access, you know. Legend has it uh, that there was a day when, at a certain time of night, uh, the television would just stop showing programs, um, and there would be no more shows, no more content. Uh, there was just a screen that came up that said "Off Air." anybody Anybody here survived those days? There we go. We've got some people. Thank you for your service. Um, but yeah, they just said like, "We're all done." Like, we're done showing you stuff. You just got to turn it off, and you just have to go to bed. It's, we're done. We're done. You should be done. We'll see you guys tomorrow. And you couldn't, like, you know, pull out your phone and look at stuff. I mean, if you want to stare at a handset, I guess you could do that. But, like, but now you just can't ever turn it off. So if that's kind of contributing to the world that we're in, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Well, fortunately, into our world, into this world, into all of the chaos and into all the craziness, God speaks because that's what God always does. God always speaks into the chaos. God always speaks into the craziness. God always speaks into the darkness. It's what he does from the very beginning into our world and into your world. So God is not sitting around in 2021 saying, I really probably should have thought about the pandemic and all the variants, and I probably should have thought about inflation, and I I should have thought about politics, and I should have thought about supply chain issues before I made the promise of peace on earth. I didn't see any of that coming. No, no. God speaks into this moment in our world, and God speaks into the moment of whatever's going on in your life, in your heart, in your mind, and God is speaking today. And, and, and I don't know why you ended up coming to this service. I don't know why you're here, but I just want you to know one thing I do know for sure is that God is speaking because he never relents to the circumstances So God, in the scriptures, he offers us a way to experience peace, even in the midst of a chaotic and crazy world. And the Apostle Paul writes about this to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. Listen to what the scripture says about how we access this kind of peace. He says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then he says to the church, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace... Will be with you. Peace on earth. So this Christmas, there's a gift that's available to you from God. A possibility where you can be anxious about nothing, yet praying about everything, and having a peace that exceeds anything that you can understand that's beyond human comprehension that literally takes up the post of guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, that the peace of God stands guard like a soldier over your heart, over your feelings and your mind and all the thoughts, all the thoughts that are just swirling around that keep you up at night, the peace of God will stand guard in relationship and in connectivity with Christ Jesus. Merry Christmas. All right, so I want to show you real quick how this is activated in your life. The first way that you activate this kind of peace in your life is there has to be a realization. Of how real God is. There has to be a realization of how real God is. That's the whole reason that God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ to show you and me just how real God is, how real His truth is, how real His grace is, how real His love is. Uh, If you want to know, well, how would God act, or how would God talk, or what would God think about what's going on in the world? What does God think about me? What does God have? To say about himself? What does God have to say about me? What does God have to say about the world? We have Jesus for that. Jesus shows us just how real God is. And it's so important because for some of you, uh, Jesus is like a concept or like an idea. I mean, one of many, and maybe a good idea, maybe a good concept, but just one of many concepts or idea. Or maybe for some of you, he's a historical figure. You uh, can't argue with there's empirical data that shows, okay, a a man named Jesus did walk planet Earth and uh, seemed to be a good man. But there were a lot of good men and women who walked around planet Earth. There were a lot of good people who walked on Earth. But maybe for you, Jesus is just a historical figure, or maybe uh, for you, Jesus is just like a, like a character or like a caricature, like he's like, like that figurine that's in the nativity set. That's what Jesus is to you. And, and the, the problem um, w- with that, and the reason that you have to have a right understanding of who Jesus actually is, is because when the world is unraveling for you, when your world is being torn apart, a concept won't help you. A historical figure won't bring you peace. A character won't be what you need. In that moment when your world kind of feels like it's unraveling or is being kind of torn apart, what you need is the living God who was and is and will be, who made all things, who is above all things, who the scripture says, who holds all things together, our, our prayer, we have been praying for weeks and months, really, for you and for this moment, um, is that, God would open your eyes to be able to see just how real he really is. We, we believe that's a, a supernatural thing. That's a God-only thing that he can do for you um, and that he can do in you, that he can reveal to you just who exactly he is. And our prayer has been that God would just do that for you, maybe even now, maybe even today, maybe even in this moment, so that you could see Jesus for who he is and all his beauty and all his splendor and all his magic and in all his authority and all of his love and all of his care for you, that you would see that he's someone who's real and as close as your last thought, who is alive and here today, that Jesus is knowable and personal. And when we say that there is a peace that guards the heart and the mind in Christ, we are talking about the greatest person that you will ever know in your life. And he's coming back to this planet to restore and reconcile all things And to ultimately bring shalom once and for all, and you can put your trust in him. And we pray that you win. So it starts, to activate this peace that God's offering, it starts with a realization of just how real God is in the person of Jesus, how far you are from God without the person of Jesus and what he has done on your behalf. Next, for you to experience the peace of God, you have to release your concerns to him. You start with a realization of how real he is, and then next you have to release your concerns to him. How can you be anxious about nothing? Because that sounds amazing, to be anxious about nothing. The scripture says only by praying about everything, which means you tell God what you need and you give thanks to him for what you do have. Uh, Peter would say it this way in 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety is a word that simply means to pull apart. So in your life, whatever's pulling you apart, whatever's pulling your peace apart, whatever's pulling your heart apart, whatever's pulling your uh, mind apart, cast that, throw that, put that on the person of Jesus, bring that to God and take that to the highest authority. How many of you, um, you love calling customer service? Like, that's, you just love it. You can't wait till you get to make that phone call, right? If you work in customer service, thank you so much for doing that work. It's really important. I was just actually looking at an article because there are all these flights are getting canceled. And the average wait time right now, if you need to call the airline, is two hours and 45 minutes. So you'll be on hold for that long. So Merry Christmas. Merry customer service we because we know as soon as we call the the number one thing that we want to do when we make that call to customer service is we want to talk to the supervisor we want to talk to the manager we want to talk to your boss like How high up the ladder can I take this concern that I have so that it gets dealt with in the appropriate way? And what the scripture is saying, what God is saying to you, is that you can take your anxiety, you can take your cares to the highest authority, the authority that is above all other authorities. No middleman. You're not going to be put on hold. You don't have to repeat yourself through a bunch of menus. You don't have to climb a ladder. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Go directly to God who cares for you and loves you more than anyone else in the universe. Bring your cares and your anxiety to me, he says. He says, whatever's robbing you of your shalom, Whatever is robbing you of your like, wholeness, of your peace in this season, don't try to stuff it down or numb it or solve it on your own power. God says, bring it to me. Bring it to the king of the universe with prayer, which is simply our conversation with God, with specific detail, because I care about the intimate details of your life and give thanks, which simply just acknowledges who God is. The invitation is to take your cares to the God who is love, who cares about you more than anyone else, and he is extending to you peace. Okay, last thing. So first, we realize how real God is. Release our anxiety to him. And lastly, replace what we release with something else replace what we release with something else. Verse eight, again, Paul says this, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not just simply saying, okay, the guy said, stop worrying. I'm just going to stop worrying. That's it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It doesn't work like that. It's like when you're trying to fall asleep, but you can't sleep and you're like, just go sleep, go sleep, go sleep. It doesn't work like that. You can't do that. You, you break bad habits by replacing them with good habits. You stop worrying about things when you start thinking about something better. And God gives us the list of those things here in his word. He's saying replace the, the anxious thoughts that you release, that you take to the highest authority, and replace them with the thoughts of things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely And admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. What if tomorrow around the Christmas dinner table when your family and your friends, everybody's around, there's gonna be no drama. I mean, how could there be drama in this day and age, right? No drama. (laughs) But imagine, imagine the conversation is dominated by what's true and what's honorable and what's right and what's pure. And if it gets loud, if it gets boisterous, it's because we're getting loud and boisterous over what's lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. The band's gonna come up and we're, we're done. We're gonna close. But I just wanna extend to you an, an invitation it's an invitation that the scriptures are extending to you, that God himself, I believe, is extending to you. I want to just kind of give you this as a, as a gift, and I just want to give it to you just to kind of try on. And I know there's people in the room, people listening. You're not, you might not be a church person. You might not be a Bible person or a Jesus person, and I, I totally get all that. And I just can't tell you how awesome it is that I think that you're here and that you're with us here today. I, just, I love you. I love that you're here. But I want to give you something just to kind of try on this Christmas. Maybe, maybe uh, you, you just try to stop being the one who guards your heart and your mind. Maybe you stop trying to be the one who manufactures their own peace by trying to control all the circumstances in your life. And maybe you let the truth of who God is and what he has done And how he has shown his love for you in the person of his son, Jesus. Let that truth, let that reality stand guard over your heart and your mind. And let his peace, not your own peace, let his peace rule over your heart and mind. You see, we love Christmas and we celebrate Christmas because it's the promise of peace. Not a peace like the world offers, but a peace that's found only in the person of Jesus. This Jesus who's the most true, the most honorable, the most right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and the most worthy of praise person there ever was. The very son of God, the savior of the world, the prince of peace we pray for us, Father in heaven, we love you. And God, we just thank you for this moment that we can have together around your word. And God, we thank you um, not just for the promise of peace. God, we do thank you that you are a promise-making God, but most of all, God, we thank you that you're a promise-keeping God. And the very same peace that was sung over those shepherds on a hillside, God, you are singing over us in this room right now. And God, that peace is available and it's real and you're not stingy with it. You're gracious and generous and extravagant with it. We see that because you gave us the gift of your son, Jesus. And your word tells us if you give us that, you won't hold anything else back. And so God, we thank you for that. I pray that people in this room who do not yet know who you are, God, that you maybe even right now, God, might just have a divine interaction with them and that you would reveal just how real you are and how real your peace is and your joy is and your love is and your grace is and your mercy is over them. For those of us who know you, Jesus, we stand now when we sing and celebrate you and your birth. It's in your name we pray.